What's going on, Fight Fans? This is Get the KO. I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. And as always, I've got with me Anthony Lujan, but you can call me Lou. So, what's going on, guys? Today, man, we really are just going to keep it kind of short and simple. It's just going to be one of those easy kind of episodes. We just want you guys to play along and listen and just have some fun. Give your two cents out there. We're really going to talk about, um, you know, top submissions that we have seen uh, just in, in MMA world, right? So whether it's UFC or Bellator or 1FC, whatever it is, we want to talk about it today. Uh, we're really just going to have some fun with it. We just want you guys to join, participate, put your two cents in if you feel like it. Let's have some fun. So without further ado, uh, if you guys were following the article this last weekend on Get the KO, so on the blog itself and even on uh, the Vegas Sportscast, you would have seen that um, I put up an article that I thought was kind of interesting where we talked about uh, best submissions that happened in the UFC as well as other MMA promotions. Uh, you guys seem to respond to it pretty well. You know, at the time that I was recording this, we had 143 readers, so it was definitely a big article that people like to read about. So let's get into it and let's talk. Anthony, tell me about uh, a a submission that you enjoyed watching happen. All right. So, actually, I do have two of them. And the first one is for the UFC. And it is UFC 117. It was with Anderson Silva versus uh, Chael Sonnen for the title, um, middleweight title. And it was Chael Sonnen dominating that fight all five rounds. He just gave it to Anderson Silva. And then with just under two minutes left, Chelsea was trying to ground pound, trying to end it, and got caught with a leg triangle that or a triangle choke with his legs, and uh, tapped out Chael. That was probably my favorite UFC fight, uh, or not uh, tap out. That was the day that I became known as an Anderson Anderson Silva fan. Outside of UFC, there was a fight on last year in November. Uh, I believe it was in Washington, D.C., and it's called COTC Conquered the Cage 24. Tracy O'Brien defeated Robbie Dodgen with a north-south choke. And if you don't know what that is, it is where your body is north of his head while you're there on the ground, and your head is on his chest. And he grabbed him, and he got his arm under his head, and he moved, moved his hip to the right, and next thing you know, that dude is completely out. That yeah, was my so that was my favorite. Yeah, so if you guys don't know about that kind of chokehold or you guys haven't ever seen that kind of submission, uh, Jake Ellenberger versus Josh Koscheck, that's how that fight ended. It was definitely a north-south choke. It was definitely one to see because even Koscheck himself was foaming at the mouth uh, trying to get away, and it just wasn't happening. And it just it's the way it ended for him. So it was one of those tough matches. Uh, you know what's funny, man, is that the Anderson Silva Shell Sonis fight, man. I actually had it as an honorable mention in the in the in the blog as well as right here. I was uh, looking over my notes, and I had that right here too as one of those chokes or one of those finishes because not only was it finished with a triangle choke, but Shell Sonis actually sat out in that choke to relieve some of the pressure, but he had his arm locked still. So uh, Silva actually did a modified arm bar at the same time as he was putting in a triangle choke, and that's ultimately what caused him to tap out. So I agree with you, man. Shell Sana was winning that fight all five rounds. He just kept dominating and just, you know, Anderson Silva just withstood the punishment and slipped in the triangle choke and called it a night, man. So that was definitely, those are two massively, massively huge, uh, great, great talks. 
Uh, one of my favorite ones, too, I wanted to talk about, uh, we got to talk about the LaFleur choke, right? I mean, we've seen one fighter do it three times in the UFC and pass people out all three times. So, you know, shout-outs to OSP for being able to put in uh, put in the LaFleur choke. That's definitely got to be one of my favorite chokes to see happen and just watch that submission go down, too. What do you think? Dude, that is one of one of the better chokes out there. I definitely agree that Lafleur that Lafleur uh, choke is something that is nasty. You know, like one of my other favorite chokes. It hasn't. I haven't seen it in an MMA fight yet. I'm sure it's gonna happen. Um, it's called a baseball choke. It's done by. Um, I've seen a couple people do it. And I've seen people do it in like, you know, uh, grappling jujitsu tournaments. But I've never seen it actually done in an MMA fight. And if you guys have seen it done. Uh, tag me in a video and just let me know, or even just send me something. We'll give you our Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter, as always, at the end. But send it to me, man, so I can see, because I have not seen a person do a baseball choke, and I really, really want to see that choke uh, done in the UFC, because I think that, or in the MMA world, I think it's it's just a fascinating choke. It's really kind of got me that uh, kind of turned around every time I see it happen, just watching somebody pass out just so quickly from uh, that blood choke, it's just, it's an amazing choke to watch happen. Have you ever seen that happen? I, I think I've seen it one time. I don't remember who it was, but I think that was one of the few that I, that, that's the one time I get to watch that. Um, the one that, the one that I really do enjoy watching, and you don't, you don't, we don't get to see this often, is the Twister. Um, the first time I seen that was uh, Chan Sung Hung um, against uh, Leonard Garcia in March of 2011, I believe. Um, the, the Korean zombie just uh, he 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 had like a, he had him on the side or uh, behind him as they're both on the ground and put his leg in, put his arm. Or, he he pretty much had the had that guy hugging him and and just twisted his body completely around. And holy smokes, that is one of the sickest uh, submissions I can I can watch. Yeah. So actually, I have. Those chokes, actually, both those missions, uh, honorable mention, actually, Angela Lee at one championship. Uh, that was actually November 15th, 2015. She finished her fight in a twister choke. And then I had to give it up to and put him in the top five of best best uh, submissions I've ever seen. But Nick Honstein, actually, quick Nick, a good friend of ours from Moral, Nebraska, uh, he actually is training now over in Lincoln, getting ready for the Eddie Bravo Invitational uh, 12. Uh, but at the first ever combative jiu-jitsu tournament, uh, Quick Nick was actually in the finals for the Eddie Bravo Invitational in the uh, 11 back in March of 2017, uh, and he finished his guy actually off in a twister choke, so or a twister uh, submission. So definitely agree, man. Uh, that's definitely one of those fascinating twist, uh, fascinating submissions that. You know, even as a wrestler, like, we all remember that move and that happening to us, and it was not very fun to get put into. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, and you also have a couple out there that, that we don't get to see very often is, like, the, the drop toe hold. How often do you get to see that one? Yeah, you know, that's not a very – or a calf crusher. You know, that's another one that, like, it, it doesn't show up very often, but it, when it does show up, everybody, like, notices it, right? Uh, another another one that I think about right off the top of my head uh, was in a Texas fight. I can't exactly remember what cage fight it was, but uh, Jason David Frank, when he fought um, his first professional fight, 
was his professional, was he, I think it was his first amateur fight, he actually finished his guy in a, uh, in a omoplata where, you know, he's wrenching up on his shoulder with his leg move instead of, like, trying to finish into a go-go. He just finished it with the omoplata, and he actually tapped a guy out with his leg, which was impressive, especially for, you know, the former Green Ranger of uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, definitely. The, the one that I that we uh, that that just got this actually just happened was, uh, and I think you put this on your blog, was uh, uh, John O'Mears, yeah, at SCC nineteen. He uh, he put, I think you called it the Wall of Jericho. I'm calling it the Boston Crab because that's what it was. It, Boston Crab back in the, in the early wrestling days. That's that's what they used to use. And he, who gets this kind of this kind of video on us. Who does this? That is probably one of the greatest finishes ever. I don't care who you are. You know what made that even worse was that Mears, actually, if you look at that fight, like he's got the kid locked up in the in that in that uh in the Boston Crab, and he's actually like looking at the camera and he's like throwing up like heavy metal signs as he's got it locked in. So there's definitely like some showmanship going on there with that move, but it's definitely there, man. And it was it's wild, man. I think about people who finish submissions in like the craziest way, like uh, Nate Diaz, man. When Nate Diaz locked in his triangle choke and he was just like flipping off the guy because he knew he had a one. He's like flipping off the sky. He's talking shit to the dude. Sorry, he's talking trash to the guy as he's laughing and pointing at him. And then eventually the guy has to tap out. You know, it was definitely like, I think it's showmanship. Like if you can finish a guy off and then like show it off like the way you want, it's it's definitely funny to to see that go down too. Yeah, definitely. The one of them that I, I kind of want to touch on, touch, touch on, was uh and I'm bringing this up right now. It was Ronda Rousey, um, her versus Kat Zingano. They both come out running at each other, and they both try to tackle each other, and they they wrestle for position, and um, and Ronda gets this. Uh, w- w- give me one quick second. This uh, this, this it's they she, they called it a straight arm bar, but it almost looked like the the almost like yes lock. Just the way it, the weight it started going down. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, you know, Ronda. I mean, she's she was always known for her uh, her armbar takedowns and you know finishing girls off with that armbar submission. You know, one of them that comes to mind is when she dislocated Misha Tate's elbow twice in the same fight. Like, just an aggression about her, just like finishing people off and just like making sure that they just weren't they weren't gonna come back. And you know, Misha Tate, I think it was in their first fight back on Strike Force, man. Uh, Ronda went in, took her down, grabbed her by the elbow, and just yanked back. And you saw the thing just bend inward, and it wasn't supposed to bend that way. Uh, Tate, re, you know, repositions it, gets back on top, starts fighting, 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 gets flipped back over, gets it straightened out, and it gets bent back again, and she has to tap at that point. But yeah, Ronda, Ronda was never one to be worried about like how hard she was going to hurt you. She was just going to hurt you. Yeah, definitely that that. She 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 come out swinging and then um, and then she gets you on the ground with any kind of judo toss. She's the queen of judo. Um, you probably expect an arm bar from her eventually. Yeah, I mean that's no doubt. And like you know she's she's been fascinating at what she's been able to do for the, for women's sports, but she's also been just a complete nightmare watching her just lock in that arm bar with every single girl that's out there. You know um. 
one of the other ones I wanted to talk about too, right, was uh, UFC 48 with Frank Mir. Man, and this is a, a fight back in 2004. Uh, Tim Sylvia was the heavyweight champion at the time. He was just a nightmare, and people were afraid to fight him. And Frank Mir, man, walked in. He took, uh, he went for a takedown. Uh, Sylvia wasn't going to fall over, and then Frank Mir locks in that arm bar. Speaking of people who throw in arm bars, and he snapped the forearm of uh, Tim Sylvia. He broke both bones and finished the fight. And uh, Herb Dean actually had to step in. He stopped the fight. Uh, Tim Sylvia said he never felt anything. He said he heard something click. And uh, he just wanted to keep fighting. Herb Dean watched it break. And then the fans, I remember, booing Herb Dean for stopping the fight. And then when it was revealed that they snapped, you know, his forearm got snapped, the crowd went from, like, boos to cheers for uh, Frank Mir, like, really quick. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, the one that I kind of want to touch upon is is we, we go back to the Diaz boys and, and Nick Diaz and uh, and oh what what fight was that with Nick Diaz I think it was Pride um, he did the Gogo Plata choke you know what the Gogo Plata choke is yeah so that's a nasty choke too and if if for fans out there who do not know what a Gogo Plata is uh, go watch an Undertaker match where he puts in what's called the Hell's Gate. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, all all it is is, is you pretty much put you pretty much put your put the, the the bottom of your shin, top of your foot, in that guy's throat, and you wrap your arm around the back of it, and you and you wrench it, and it is cr- one of the craziest uh, submission bars uh, submissions that you can get into. And uh, Nick uh, Nick Diaz actually did that in uh, Pride against uh, Takanori Gomi. Yeah, and you know, you can do a lot of damage to a person, man, like destroying, like, just their vocal cords or just, you know, causing, like, unnecessary bleeding to happen. So that's a very dangerous move to throw on somebody and, like, to hold it in. Like, it's definitely one, like, if you get put into it, just tap. Just don't write it out. Don't be a tough guy. Just tap because it's going to (laughs) suck. Yep, there's that one. Um, One of my other favorite ones is, and we we don't see it as often, as you you get the arm arm bar or the triangle choke, but the anaconda, the anaconda is a very very good one. It's nasty and it tends to make people pass out quick. Yeah, so yeah, that's definitely one of those blood chokes that a lot of people. If you're not familiar, you have three different type of chokes: um, wind chokes, which are the ones that are usually cover in the throat, and people know that one because you can feel the chokingness. Uh, blood chokes, which essentially is covering. Uh, cutting off the carotid artery as well as uh, um, what else is that? Like, well, as soon as you cut off the car- carotid artery, you're stopping blood flowing from the to the head, and it just causes your brain to kind of shut down, and then you pass out. Uh, so those are two. Another one is a nerve choke, but we don't get to talk about that one because that one doesn't happen in the UFC. So, so the other two are definitely two that we talk about, whether you're putting in a real choke hold or you're putting in a blood choke. Um, both those can do some serious damage if you hold them for too long. But regardless. In the UFC, we see it happen all the time where guys pass out. And uh, a good instance of a of a of a, a good blood choke, man, is uh, the triangle choke. The triangle choke is a perfect idea of a of a, a choke. As soon as you start closing off uh, airways, that's it. So whether it's an arm triangle or you're looking for uh, just a regular triangle with uh, with your legs, uh, you lock it in. You can definitely get people to to pass out pretty quick, as well as a rear naked choke. Is a definitely another one that happens pretty quick. Yeah, definitely, and and you don't get those very often. 
one of the other ones that we don't really like to get we don't really get to see and I don't remember exactly the last time I even seen it was a crucifix submission. Uh Cliff, you wanna wanna break that one down for us? Yeah, so what we're talking about here is when you're essentially catching a catching another fighter and you're gonna wrap your legs around one side of your arm, you're gonna take the other arm and you're gonna trap it in the body and then just from there it's just an ungodly beating of punches to the head. <laughs> essentially what what we're looking for in a in a crucifix uh, type submission. Yeah, definitely. Those are some of our our favorite um, um, submissions. I mean, we have so many of them. I mean, there's so many artists that that are good at this. Uh, Frank Mir, he's one of the best submission artists out there. I mean, I remember him getting grounded, pounded against Brock Lesnar, and somehow getting a a, a, a leg a leg a, a knee bar in a, on Brock Lesnar and uh, making Brock tap out. That was that was a that was a big one that surprised me. The one that you have on there. Uh, him versus uh, Minotaur Nogueiro. I mean, he he locked in that uh, in that uh, what was the that Kimura lock? Yeah, the the Kimura lock, and and that that you can look at that elbow and tell me that if that didn't break, I don't know what a break is, and because that was the most disgusting wrench I've ever seen. So one of those things too about that fight, we got to kind of talk about it for a second, right? Is that um, what made it interesting was the fact that. Uh, if you watch Frank Mir, Frank Mir was out. Like he got punched in the face, he started falling back into the cage, he fell in, and instead of trying to finish the fight, Nogueira took it to the ground, which was kind of a big mistake for him. Obviously, look at you know hindsight being twenty twenty, you know. And as soon as Nogueira took it to the ground, Frank Mir locked in the Kimura lock and he held on. Uh, Nogueira tried to relieve the pressure by rolling over, and as soon as he rolled over, you know Mir took him back over and he just finished it. He did. He snapped his. Uh, from what I remember. Um, one of my friends who fights, who fought in the Bellator, his name was Richard De La Reyes. He's out of Hawaii, so if you guys get a chance to go check him out at the Mango Tree. Um, but he ran into Noguera in Hawaii like three weeks later, and Noguera had told him that he had suffered a, a spiral fracture in the arm because that's what ultimately broke it. When he put that the Kimura in, he just spun the arm around, wasn't supposed to bend the way it was or move the way it was, and he ended up... Sp- um, causing a fracture moving all the way down the arm instead of just like, you know, and the, the top of the shoulder. So it was crazy to know that that's what happened with in that fight. Yeah, um, here's one that that we that we never see in the UFC anymore, or in MMA anymore. I'm trying to bring it right back up here, um, and that is the uh, and that is the. Uh, what is it called? The the oh the Peruvian necktie, the Peruvian necktie. Have you seen that done? So it's one that I've known as called the Darce choke, from what I remember, if that's the right one that we're talking about. And if I remember, it was it was always known as a Peruvian necktie, but Jason Mayhem Miller named it the Darce choke because when you put somebody in it, you hear them go Darce, and then they tap out. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually, it's, it's it's a reverse of that. It's on the other side. So one of the biggest ones that do it was uh, the ex featherweight champion Pat Curran for Bellator. He 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 was looking like he was about to sink the dark choke on his opponent Luis uh, Palomino, and uh, he abandoned it, the dark choke and got that and uh, snaked his left arm around the right side of uh, Palomino's neck and locked his hands under uh, his left armpit. Once those were locked, he clamped down and uh, 
hopped forward and lacing his legs over Palomino's head and his uh, right leg over uh, on, onto the back, and that's where that's where that uh, proven necktie came from. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember now. That's a that's a great that's a great example of a, of, of an amazing submission. You know, like um, one of the other ones that I want to talk about too, right? Um, Anderson Silva. Like we've known him to be a part of like a lot of great submissions, but we've never actually seen him get submitted in a kind of a fashion. And I don't remember the fighter. I don't remember the time frame, right? But you, anybody who looks it up, you'll find it, right? So. Anderson Silva was fighting in a fight. Um, it was three rounds, and in the first two rounds, he was just beating up this guy in Japan, and he was just doing some serious, serious damage. And as the fight went on, um, you kind of believed that Anderson Silva was going to win the fight. So in the third round, this guy had no idea what he was doing or had nothing to really go for, went for a scissor sweep, and uh, he jumped midway up, put one foot in front of the in front of uh, Anderson's abdomen, swept, swept him, caught the heel and heel hooked him and then caused uh, Anderson Silva to tap out, which was like one of the first times that we had seen Anderson Silva lose. And it was like one of the most amazing takedown to submissions that I've ever seen in my life. It was definitely something, if you guys go on YouTube, you guys can definitely see that fight. It was huge. Yeah, definitely. That was against Royal uh, Chonin, and that was at Pride uh, Shockwave in 2004, dude. That was one of the sickest, uh, sickest, uh, uh, submissions we've seen too. Um, that was actually the second time I believe he got tapped out because he got tapped out in Pride 26 also. Um, and believe it or not, and that was in Japan too. Um, not very many times do we get to see Anderson Silva uh, um, first off lose, but get tapped out. I think he's only done it like twice ever. Yeah, and that was definitely one of those. That sweep, though, it, it reminded me of Scorpion from Mortal Kombat with, like, his leg sweep, and that's exactly what we saw happen. He got the leg sweep, and then he ended up getting a tap out. It was definitely it was definitely a really, really cool move, and it was a move that wasn't supposed to happen, but it did, and everybody was just like, huh, that's pretty fucking cool. So um, yeah. another takedown, right? Another, <laughs> another one I want to talk about, too, is uh, Frank Trigg versus Matt Hughes, right? So the idea was this, is Matt Hughes didn't like Frank Trigg. He talked a lot of trash about him, said that he wasn't very good, and that uh, to get beat the way you would get beat, it's, you know, by a rear naked choke is like, is essentially just getting beat by a white belt. And in the first round, we saw that actually happen to Matt Hughes, where uh, Frank Trigg wrapped in um, uh, a rear naked choke, and he was, and Matt Hughes was going to pass out. His face had turned purple, like you knew that something was going to happen. But instead, Matt Hughes fought through the submission. He got up, he got out, and eventually he ended the fight with a, a guillotine choke, which was funny because Dana White used to make fun of Matt Hughes about that same uh, fight, about that same uh, same submission, almost putting out uh, Matt Hughes. Yeah, definitely. One of the like kind of the other ones that you're talking about, and you kind of touched up on this, is the o- OSP being just his his last uh, fight against. Um, against uh, Yushin Okami. Uh, and did you know that that was the first time ever that uh, Okami uh, got submitted in his MMA career? Well, he didn't get submitted. He passed out. <laughs> it is a technical submission. He just he just went to sleep. I mean, he really didn't tap out. He was just like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm good right where I'm at. I'm just going to sleep right next to... I'm going to sleep right next to OSP. I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> It definitely wasn't a KO, so you can't call it a knockout. 
he technically got submitted, and uh, that was the first time in his career ever that he got he's been submitted. Yeah, I know, and it was definitely something because I'm a, I'm a fan of Yushin Okami, and I remember watching him fight um in a tribute to the troops when he fought Josh Koscheck in uh, Fort Bragg, actually North Carolina, and uh man, uh, Koscheck hit him with his left, and you saw Yushin Okami's hands just like drop. He took a deep breath. And he took a punch to the face, and, like, that was it. I remember that was, like, the last time I had seen him fight, and it was just a brutal knockout on uh, Koscheck's part. And it was one of those that I was like, you're never going to forget where you were when you saw that fight happen. Uh, another one that, that we're going to talk that I want to kind of touch up on is another person that's never been submitted in his career in his life, and that is Rich Franklin. Rich Franklin's never been uh, submitted. He's had seven losses in his career. Five of them, he's been knocked down, two by decision. But yeah, he's never been uh, submitted. Didn't he get knocked out? His last fight, right, it was uh, Rashad Evans that finished him, wasn't it? Uh, no, actually, it was Chung uh, uh, Lee at it UFC. Was Kung Lee. And that was in 2012, and uh, that was KO punches. That was in the first round. Um uh, then, but he well, he also so he beat uh, uh, Waterlay Silva, Vanderlay Silva, um, earlier in 2012. But before that, he got he got beat by Forrest Griffin. And I'm trying to remember. I don't think I don't ever see. No, I'm, and I'm and I'm going to his. Uh, and I'm going to Wikipedia right now to kind of look up at his uh, his records right now. Give me one quick second. And yeah, no. So I don't even see him fighting uh, Rashad Evans ever. Yeah, no, I don't, and that's why I was like, I couldn't remember exactly who it was. I knew, I knew Rashad Evans had knocked out um, uh, Chuck Liddell, and then I don't, and I couldn't remember if he had fought Rich Franklin or not. But I do remember the Kung Lee fight. And what's so interesting about Rich Franklin is that Rich Franklin, he at the first part of his career never trained in a gym. He used to train in his backyard in a shed with his friends, and that's how they would get better at like. MMA. That's how they trained. They just trained with each other in a shed and just worked out. Like, if you want to talk about, like, one of those fighters who just, like, was destined to do something huge, like, Rich Franklin is that dude. Yeah, I remember that. And speaking of, and speaking of the, the guy that, that ended Rich Franklin's career, uh, Chung Lee has also never been tapped out in his career either. And Kung Lee is one of those guys, man. I remember, like, Watching him in strike force, like his leg kicks were so fast. He actually broke Frank Shamrock's arm, like in a fight, and it was amazing because Frank went to block it, and as he went to block his face, like Kung Lee's arm or leg hit his arm, and Frank's arm broke like in half. It was amazing. I didn't, I didn't know that was possible until I saw that happen. Hey, that's weird. Um, the other one that that when we were when we were talking about what we wanted to really really talk about tonight on the show um and i kind of want i kind of want to touch up on fighters that have never been submitted in their lives and another one that's never been sum- submitted in their life vanderlei silva he's never been submitted yeah vanderlei was always tough man as the axe murderer is just going through and just like he it's either he was going to finish you or he was going to get finished i mean it was just there was just no two ways around it like he was looking for the knockout all the time or he was going to get knocked out he just he didn't there's one thing I like about some of like the old school fighters, like a lot of people we don't really talk about them that much, but 
they just had a never die attitude and like they just refused to you were they were going to go down or you were going to go down it really didn't matter to them you know and i i really i kind of miss those days and i kind of miss those fighters but you know to see the evolution of the mma game now it's just it's amazing to see like some of the things that happened and what turned that you know and what who paved that way yeah definitely um and he, he and actually uh you're right. He's uh, he's one of the guys that he's, he's coming out swinging for the gate, and he's gonna either knock you out, he's gonna get knocked out. His one, the one time that it that there was a submission in his in his fight was uh, in 2000, like, and again against at a Pride Grand Prix first uh, first round where he got a, a rear naked choke on his opponent. That's really the only time that he's ever. Uh, Got got into a position where this would be a tap out or uh, he tap somebody out. You know what's funny, man, is that we're sitting here talking about like fighters who never tapped out and stuff, never tapped out. But there's one there's one submission I want to talk about that we didn't get to yet, and that's with um and it was my number one take one my number one submission on get the KO right, and that being um Toby Amada fighting out of Bellator. Um, he was fighting Jorge Sandoval and. He finished him in a reverse triangle, which essentially means that he had a triangle choke locked up on Jorge, and Jorge went to stand up, but he thought that he could just wear him out by, um, you know, if he just stood up, he could make he could wear out uh, uh, Toby's legs. And instead, what happened was the choke was so tight that you see it as a highlight finish. I mean, it's it's. If you look at um, best submission of 2009, he had the best submission of 2009. If you look at any, like, tape, you'll always see Jorge get tapped out. Or he didn't even tap out. He passed out uh, from that reverse triangle. So I definitely wanted to tap, uh, not tap, but touch on that one because that's definitely one of my favorite takedowns. And if you guys go on the blog and just check out getthekao.blogspot.com, it's the first article up there, and it's definitely one of my favorite submissions to watch happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of fancy uh, or surprising, I should say, surprising um, chaos. And it's, I'm, I'm always excited to see, or not chaos submissions. I'm always excited to see something crazy like the Boston Grab or the Cap Crusher. Well, it's, it's actually called the Cap Slicer, but we call it Cap. Uh, the cap crusher because uh, we watch wrestling and we're nerds like that and AJ, AJ Styles is <laughs> you got to be the phenomenal one. <laughs> you know it's it's funny so we're talking about submissions this week. I think next week, man, um, we should make it a point because I know we have a uh, we have a break between UFC 216. We do have the UFC event that's coming up. Uh, with uh, in, in Poland, and we also have the UFC event going on in Brazil, and then right after that, we're gonna have UFC 217. But we should definitely, I think, next week we should definitely come with some with some firepower, and we're gonna talk about uh, best knockouts that we've ever seen happen in a, in the MMA world. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely do agree. I mean, w- w- I've I've been a fan. Of, you've been a fan of watching UFC since. Gosh, I, I remember you guys talking about this stuff. I think it was like my like right during my senior year in high school, you guys just got out of out of high school, and and then I really didn't get into it till till about 2006, 2007. Uh, and actually, it was a uh, Tito Ortiz versus I believe Ken Shamrock, and that was the first ever fight I ever got to watch. And uh, when Tito Ortiz uh, tapped him out, he 
act like he buried him. And uh, that was really the first time I ever seen any kind of fight. I was actually in Kuwait and getting ready to uh, getting ready to head over to Iraq. And so after that, I was like, "Well, what is this crap?" And I'm like, "Dude, let's 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 look this up. Let's check this out." And we got back, and then it just blew up for me. And we've we've been fans for I've been fan for 12 years now. Yeah. So funny enough, man. Uh, to kind of kind of touch on what Anthony is talking about, right? Um, I've actually been a fan of UFC since like 1997, man. Like I have the videotapes of UFC one and two on VHS. Like if that tells you anything about how old I am and how long I've been watching, we're still talking about VHS. So um, I watched UFC one out of McNichols Arena. Do you remember McNichols Arena, Anthony? Yes, I do definitely. So I watched from McNichols Arena. Um, it was uh, Hoist Gracie was uh, fighting Ken Shamrock, and that's the matchup that everybody knows because Ken Shamrock got caught. Essentially, um, it was a side choke that happened, and it was kind of like it was weird because it was like a wrestling kind of side choke where uh, you know you saw Gracie had one lock, he tapped out, he tapped out uh, you know Ken Shamrock, and Ken Shamrock looked like he had been just chiseled out of marble. Like, he was just cut all over the place, and Hoist Gracie was wearing his gi, and you're like, yeah, I don't think Hoist is going to survive this. And he did. He tapped out Ken Shamrock, and it was, like, one of the first times that we'd ever seen that happen. And then, uh, so it was one of those amazing things. And the funny thing was, is uh, I think it was my freshman year going into my sophomore year, so 99 to 2000, or even 2000 to 2001, um, one of our friends who ended up becoming a state champion in 2003, uh, Gary Shukai, uh, he used to weigh 215 when he wrestled, and at the time that we did this, it was like he was weighing 245, and I was weighing probably like a buck 80, maybe at that best. And we used to during the summers between our junior, our sophomore, junior year, and our junior and senior year, we used to wrestle and work for submissions for as long as it ever took, and we went to a best of seven rounds. And it used to take us all seven rounds to get get our win get our wins and we used to and we only knew two submissions it was either we knew the guillotine choke or we knew how to do a rear naked choke that was the only two choke holes that we knew but we used to wrestle and it would take you know anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes at a time to work to get the next submission because we just knew what the other person was looking for and uh yeah, I remember it, it. We would go toe to toe, and Garrett and I. We used to. It. It was crazy. It was the. It was the most enduring thing that we had ever been through. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. We, me, and I. Now that now that we kind of talk about this, um, and and this is a name that we never really bring up, um, due to due to some some personal opinions. Is me and Boulevard used to do the same thing. We, I got back to my rack, and we we'd hang out at his. Uh, girl's house and and he, he he didn't know how to wrestle and like it like if, if if people that listen to us if they know who boulevard is who uh joseph is um joseph was a he's a scrappy little guy he likes he likes to throw some fists every so often um but he didn't know how to wrestle so one day we we're just sitting there dancing around talking and next thing you know we're wrestling around and and, and we're trying to make each other tap out and me and him used to do this Back in the day, like four, four or five times a week, uh, when when I got back from Iraq, and uh, and there, there's times like we would have, we'd have some of the weirdest things, like like the, like I, I I think I did the uh, the STFU on him like four times 
in one night. I, I think I saw his knee pop one time. Yeah, so if you guys don't know what that is, it's actually a drop toe hold uh, submission move where you're essentially locking somebody's submission um, and pulling back on their neck, just kind of make turning them into pretty much like into a press hole. Uh, so it's definitely one of those tap outs, uh, one of the submissions that it takes a little skill to get into, and if you get into that, uh, yeah, you you can kind of call yourself the man a little bit, maybe give yourself a belt or something, essentially, because <laughs> it's definitely one of those <laughs> submission moves that you don't really ever get all that often. <laughs> wrestling, and he he tried to like crawl under my legs that one day, that one time, and I went to reverse and like and like get get on his back and grab the grab the. Uh, Grab the um, grab his neck, and I was I was gonna I was gonna rear naked choke him, and I just looked at his his leg, and like like his leg was between my legs, like wrapped around the wrong way, and I'm like, oh dude, you're in so much trouble. I just like flattened him real quick, and that 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 leg was already locked in. I just grabbed him by his neck, and I just pulled, yanked him, and he, he he tapped out fast. So it's funny because right, um, and and. We talk about these kind of submissions in our way of, our, of what happened with us. And I remember where um, Garrett and I, man, we were in college, right? And it would have been our sophomore-ish year in college, right? And there was a kid that used to wrestle, right? And so this kid was from the state of South Dakota. Um, he was a six-time state placer to include a one-time state champ in South Dakota. And in South Dakota, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grades are all considered. You can, you can place that state in the state of South Dakota. So this kid, his name was uh, John Suter, right? And I'll never forget this, right? So me and Suter, uh, I, I don't remember what caused it. We just got into a huge argument. And it, it went, and we were in the wrestling room when this happened. And it went from me and him kind of like talking trash to also like both of us kind of getting angry at each other and I remember calling him John Stutter and like he got mad and he just ran into me and Garrett knew as soon as John ran into me he knew what was going to happen everybody had to come quick because I locked John into a guillotine choke and I just refused to let go like I had him I held him down I could hear him not breathing or him like starting to wheeze out and like eventually I remember feeling him tap on the ground, and I let go, and everybody was like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be messing with Cliff like that, because Cliff knows some other stuff that's just not wrestling related, and Garrett was like, yeah, we do this all the time. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, this is just, just a, we, 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 now we, we grow up, and we call it stupid stuff that we used to do. I mean, we, you, you, I didn't get into wrestling until my senior year. You, you were on Christmas break, and you came back, and you were trying to help me out with some stuff. And on, on the mat, and um, we used to do that back in the day. We, we used to we used to wrestle WWE wrestle on the trampoline. Remember that back in the day? And then oh, we get and then evolution to UFC stuff, like we're, or or combative sports things, and and we're we're trying to make each other tap out. We you and Garrett are going at it. Me and Joseph are going at it. I mean, there's there's times where Joseph would get me and and some of the weirdest things, and then I'd get him back, and it was just. Being young it was just crazy for us. That's that's how we grew up. Yeah. So essentially, well, we were we we just lived the same kind of lifestyle as Rich Franklin. The only thing was is that none of us ever pursued it to the next level. Which I mean, I just imagine what would happen if uh, if either you or me or um, a side note for someone else that may be listening to this, Bart Bartlett. Uh, 
if any of us, or even Jeff Kroskoff, like all of us, we used to just have fun, whether we were throwing hands or we were taking out people and working on submissions and stuff or just wrestling in general, man. Like we all could have, we've all could have had so much fun just like just doing the things that we do and we just, we love doing it. It wasn't like we weren't ever out to go out and just, just so our viewers understand, we were never out going out like, hey, we want to fight that guy and we want to beat that guy up. Usually if you start something with us, we we finished it. We didn't worry about it, but we never were the kind of kind of guys that were looking to go out and get into a fight with somebody. Yeah, and it's funny. It's funny that it's funny that you bring this up, like 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 how we grew up and how we did our thing. Um, and you have the and and it's funny that it's me and you talking about MMA and growing into this podcast that we do. And if you look at it, like I we were the we were the two that that probably would have went somewhere if we would have pursued this. You very, very, very technical in what you did. You were smart with your wrestling. And me, I, it didn't matter. It, I, how many times did you kick my ass because I said something stupid? Or how many times did I get, or I get the best of you? I mean, it didn't matter. What 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 was said or what was uh, what the issue was? We were down the brawl, and and that I, I I'm the I'm the I'm the Vanderlei Silva of of our group. I was ready to hit somebody or get hit by somebody, and I didn't care. To where, like, like I said, you you were the you were the submission. You could have been the submission artist. You were so technical with your wrestling. Yeah, I really. I mean, it, it eventually. I mean, it was funny because I I went I went into Hawaii and I went and trained with Richard De La Reyes. Like I said, he used to fight at the Bellator, and, and he had his own gym to the side, and then he had eventually went to the UFC gym, and he now has the mango tree. I went and wrestled with him, and I remember, like, I used to think, like, I was pretty bad. Like, as a wrestler, like, I knew I was kind of bad. Like, bad, not bad as in, like, terrible, but I was decent, right? And so when I went and wrestled with him, and mind you, Richard was weighing, like, 165 pounds, and I was weighing, like, about 200 and Richard, man, he would just throw me around and tap me out. The thing that he thought was funny was I would always come back and grind because I was like, dude, I just want to keep learning. Keep tapping me out. I don't care. And eventually, like, he just he laughed, man. He thought it was so funny because I just didn't want to stop. And uh, you're right, man. It was just when it came to the wrestling side, it was all about the technique for me. But I started learning a little bit more about how to do, like, with the BJJ side. And then my striking started to improve a little bit. And it's funny to see, like, I wondered, and and I I do, I tend to sit back and wonder, like, what would have happened if I kept pursuing with it? I had a friend who still, he's a very active friend of mine. He's actually the uh, godfather of my daughter. His name's Zach Perrin. Uh, He, man, was, he was a nightmare, man. His his technique in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world was unbelievable. And uh, he used to show me, like, just different ways to to like putting crazy like leg cho- or not even uh, triangle chokes just from different positions. He was so flexible, man. It was definitely so much fun to be a part of. When we were in Hawaii training all the time, it was so much fun, man. Oh yeah, I, definitely, I can definitely can imagine being on Hawaii and being able to train with those kind of people. Yeah, dude, it's just so much fun. I mean, gr- growing up, we just we we, we were so crazy. We, I can call it crazy now. We back then would call it just having fun. But we were we were a bit crazy, man. You know, and I kind of feel like you have to be a little crazy to to be willing to want to get punched in the face or be submitted or be taken down or just anything in that world, man. You kind of have to be a little crazy at it, right? So one of our friends that's 
Uh, he's kind of an amateur boxer right now. His name's David Senna. He was a wrestler. We started, we, we, I got him into wrestling. And uh, he ended up going to state. He was a state qualifier. He ended up getting beat at state, which was okay. But he was still a state qualifier in the state of Nebraska. And he ended up becoming, uh, he trained with uh, the all-U.S. Navy team in wrestling. And then he ended up becoming, a, uh, he went into his sport, which he really loved, which was boxing. And uh, now he uh, he breaks down fights, like, in a boxing world, man. He's, like, really great at it. He definitely knows his styles and stuff. And watching him talk about technique. So, you know, shout out to David, man. He's definitely one of those big guys that really showed up how to do everything or showed showed that he could be well-versed. You know, I don't know how his submission game is by any means, but I definitely know that his wrestling game was always really good and then his boxing game is 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 above, above and beyond. And then another person I wanted to kind of talk about, he's still actively fighting. He's definitely one of my good friends. His name is Justin Starks. You guys will know him as Ghost. He fights out of Florida right now. He's training uh, for his next amateur bout, um, but one of the guys that I met just absurdly strong, like he's just a light guy, weighing about 135, 145, a lighter kind of guy, but he loves to grapple, and he used to wrestle uh, back where he, in his hometown, he ended up becoming really good in the MMA world, or in a, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and then turned around and worked on his striking, and Man, just just think about all the people that we've been around and all the people we see. And even when we were talking about, you know, back where we were in, in high school and stuff, man, just watching those guys kind of explode, it's huge that we, we you know, like you said, we were having a good time while other people may have called us crazy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we had we had the best of both worlds. We had you uh, as, a, as a wrestler that, that definitely very technical, like I say, and I get you at me to that. But I was the one guy that you could you could just if if something was happening and and, and this is high school this is this is junior high and high school this wasn't after high school too much but if if per se the the we had some issues that we needed to be that that was getting handled that was getting started by opposing schools like I remember those track meets all the time like people would be running over and talking crap to somebody and they're like well let's go get Anthony Lujan because he'll throw the first punch. And and I would start it, and I would, I didn't like if you're gonna run your mouth and have beer with us, we I would walk up there and I'm like, all right, so what are we gonna do? And then everybody would back me up, and and it, it was, that's how that's how we grew up, and it was so much fun. Like we were a bit wild, we were a bit crazy, but we did what we had to do. And uh, and then you got David Senna, dude, and and shout out to David. I mean, David, I thought would would have been a professional wrestler because he slammed you on on the hood of a car. Oh, I mean, it, there's. Numerous things that me and him went through. <laughs> I remember that. He also did. He also power bombed me on the sidewalk because we were messing around, and he didn't. He didn't mean to, but he power bombed me on the sidewalk. Yeah, you know, like the sidewalk were never really anybody's friends. We never, we never made friends with the sidewalk ever. Like we just, we just didn't have that that camaraderie with it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, and so yeah, shout out. Definitely, I just want to give a kind of quick shout out to David because, like you said, he's doing this thing in, in a combat sport. And it, he's, he's where we we can bring him up on here is he's training. He's he's boxing out. He, that's how he works out, and that's what he's doing to train. And uh, and he like you said, he breaks down fights, and he like he broke down the Canelo uh, Triple G fight for us. And uh, and I like that that dude's got something going for him, and I think I. If he com- continues to pursue this dream, eventually he's going to get something out of it. 
Yeah, no, he's definitely valued. Whenever it comes down to talking about um, great boxing matchups, is definitely something that he's he's huge about, and you do, you can definitely tell like he's passionate about what what goes on in that world. And you know, when he talks about it in the MMA sense too, he understands like you know the way it is and the way it shows up. So it, it's it's cool, man. It's definitely something that we get to share with him, you know. And you know, eventually we're probably gonna bring on a couple of the guys too that. Uh, I know here in the future we've talked about Quick Nick a few times that he's going to be coming on the show. We may bring David on the show just kind of talk about a, a striker's striker's perspective, uh, and we can see if we can try to get some of these other guys that we've been talking about forever. Uh, just bring them on, just talk to them, just tell them, hey, what's your opinion on this fight or that fight, or you know, what do you think about this guy or that guy? You know, we eventually, like we said, want to bring on Mickey Gall. He's definitely one of our, you know, he's a favorite of mine. He's not a favorite of Anthony's, but. Um, He's definitely one of those guys that we want to talk about. We just, you know, we just talk about things and how we fell into the world that we did. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of uh, speaking of the UFC and everything, let's move on to our next subject. We got a UFC fight UFC fight pass uh, this this Saturday, October twenty first. You got Donald Cerrone versus um, versus Darren Till, and how do you feel about that? So, I mean, this fight card is obviously on, you know, I think it's a Fox Sports 1 fight card, Fox Sports 2 fight card for a reason. It's not really, there's not really huge names on that fight card except for Donald Cerrone and, uh, you know, Carolina Kowiski is going to be on this fight card. So it's definitely not one that, it's going to be huge, but it's going to be interesting. Something that you kind of brought up last week too, which I wanted to give you a big shout out again, that these are the kind of fight cards that you're going to look for guys who want to start, who are hungry, who are looking to get those pay-per-view points. And they're going to look for big knockouts. Uh, Donald Cerrone definitely is a big name on this one. And I'm definitely excited to see him back in the octagon. So hopefully we can see him uh, pick up another W on his way to uh, try to move. I know he's talked about wanting to move down to 155 and try to fight for the lightweight title for a long time. So maybe this is that time where we see him kind of start um, making those moves to head that way. Yeah, definitely. I would love to see Donald get back into the winning column. He hasn't had a he hasn't won since December 10th against Matt Brown when he kicked him in the face, um, and so and that was and that was in 2016. So it's been a minute, and uh, I would love to see him get back on the track and get a win and see what we can do. Um, kind of like you said, um, you got Kellyna Kellowitz. Um, she's coming off of a, uh, a a couple losses, one to Joanna and one to Claudia uh, Gadella, and. I wouldn't mind seeing her get back in there and try to get a title fight, uh, take the winner of uh, Doug Rose and, and Joanna. Um, but if you go, if you scroll down just a little bit, you do have somebody that I kind of want to see that I kind of want to, uh, and I kind of want to see him get a win because he hasn't got a win in the UFC, and that's Marcin Held, um, a very very good uh, submission artist and a very good wrestler. Um, um, he's 0 for three in the UFC. He lost to Diego. He lost to. Uh, Diego Sanchez, he lost to Joe Lawson and uh, Damir Hadzostik. Um So I'd like to see that guy uh, get his first win in the UFC. Yeah, so it'll definitely be interesting to see. And you're right, he's a great, a great submission artist, and we're definitely going to be looking forward to seeing him get out there and get into that octagon. And hopefully he can get his first win. Otherwise, you know, he's one of those guys that is probably going to get cut if he doesn't get the win. So we gotta we got to kind of pull for him, see if he can get back on that win streak, and we can uh, see him show up and show out. Yeah, definitely another guy that I that that we that I'm gonna keep my eye on, and he's from uh he's from Kent, Washington, and his nickname is the Freight Train. Uh, Anthony Hamilton. Anthony Hamilton is on a uh, on a three fight loser streak. He lost to uh, 
he's a, and he's a heavyweight. He lost to Marcel Fontana. Uh, uh, right before that, he lost to uh, Francis Naganu, and then uh, Daniel Spitz. He lost to just recently in September when uh, in that uh, Branch Rockwood fight card. Um, he's he's kind of iffy, and I think if he doesn't get his act together going, get back on the winning side, I think he's one of those that's going to get cut too. Yeah, definitely could be could be sad stories for people if they don't get get back on that win streak, man. So. You know, with that being said, though, man, I mean, this this is one of those fight cards where we just kind of see it. We don't know if what's going to happen with it, man, but we're going to move on. Uh, we just want to lightly talk about that because today we just wanted to most, mostly focus on submissions, and then we just went on a big rant about just us. <laughs> so let's hop over, man. We're going to go ahead and um, kind of close this out, man. So, All right, so real quick, right before we close this out and we go get to the Lincoln Love, we both have Cerrone winning it. I want your round and how he does it. So I'm going to say um, fourth round KO. You're saying fourth round KO. Um, the guy that he's fighting, um, he does throw, uh, he does throw just under three uh, punches landed in a minute and he gets, and he absorbs uh, just over three. His defense is 86%. So I'm going to call this. I'm going to say Donald Cerrone is going to get him in the second round. And I, I'm going to call it a KO. And I think it's going to be uh, a, a, one of those Rick Story kind of KOs. He punches him in the ribs, kicks him in the head, and knocks him out with a punch. I think it's going to be something like that. Definitely could be, man. I think uh, I think it goes fourth round. I think he gets a... Uh... Gets a take, gets a takedown, and then starts to ground a pound from the top, and then eventually gets the KO off of it. Very nice. All right, so let's move on. Let's let's move on, and let's move to the next segment. It's called my Lincoln Love, and this is a shout out because we're both in Nebraska, and I, we promote local. Cliff has his locals in uh, in Baltimore, and Baltimore, but my locals here in Lincoln. I do, we do have a concert coming up, uh, not this weekend, but the weekend after. We got Trexler on the. On the guitar and on the mic, you got Jade. She's going to be doing her thing. That's Friday, October 27th at Gray's Keg Salon here in Lincoln at 9.30. Come on down. It's a free cover and some good music. They're definitely going to be doing their thing. Um, Shout-outs to Jade because she should be wearing, quote-unquote, will, will be wearing uh, one of our shirts, Serotonics shirts, and that's something that I kind of want to give a shout-out to is Serotonics. For me and Cliff, uh, we got our – clothing brand going. It's not just ours. We have a couple people in there. It's like Boy, Ethan, and Chanda. Um, but here, right here in Lincoln, if you guys need a haircut, go to Carly, Carly the Barber. She's located 70th and Pioneers at Bond Hair. She does my hair. She's awesome. She's a sweet gal. Um, and her boyfriend, I'm going to give a shout out to him, uh, Corey Savage. He does uh, Savage Man Apparel. You see the stuff in Bellator around here in Lincoln. But some of his Bellator people uh, are supporting it, and so if you see it, definitely check it out. He, he his website is on Etsy, so go ahead and check him out and get some uh, Savage Man apparel. And I'm gonna bring it back to Serotonics, and we just launched our stuff, and we have our stuff going out. And here in Lincoln, I am having a shipment coming here. And if you need anything, if you need, if you need, if you want a shirt, come buy it. Uh, hit me up on on my Facebook, my Twitter my Snapchat, anything you really want, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll hit you up and I'll, we'll get you a shirt. Yeah, so on my side, man, you know, I just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Justin Ghost Starks. 
He's definitely one of my friends. We were in the military together. He's definitely an amateur fighter, getting ready to turn professional, so I'm definitely excited to kind of talk about him and throw him out there. Of course, uh, we also have Quick Nick over in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, he's getting ready to compete in the Eddie Bravo Invitational uh, 12, so it'll be, it'll be sweet to see him go and defend that title of his. And then, uh, you know, aside from that, man, we, we, we can't harp on it enough. You know, we did launch Serotonics. It's one of our uh, it's our T-shirt brand. We're excited about it. We're definitely uh, asking you guys just come out, show us a little support, uh, pick up a T-shirt from us. We're definitely available on Snapchat, Twitter, and uh, uh, Instagram. So you guys definitely catch us all over there. Uh, one of the bigger things too that we're always going to talk about, right, is uh, is our is our veteran love. You know, we we're both uh, military. Uh, I'm a veteran. Anthony is still serving currently. And, uh, you know, we just we want to make sure that you guys know that you guys can always reach out to us, not just you guys, but people in general, right? So we all go through stuff. We all understand that. But we're always here for each other and just making sure that we got each other wrapped up um, and just and just make sure that we're, we're showing that we're cared, right? So if any of you guys out there, man, are just not sure what's going on anymore, you guys are just feeling like you're kind of losing yourself a little bit, just make sure you reach out. We're here. We're ready to listen. We're always going to talk to you. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. We're We're here for you guys. So... You know, you guys can catch me on Facebook or on Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, at CM underscore Miller 85. You guys can find me there uh, and just and reach out. And I'm there, and you guys can always um, just talk to me. And uh, I'll, I'll be there to answer and, and talk to you guys. Uh, a couple of groups that, you know, I got in support, too, is uh, Mission 22, Team 22, and I Got Your Six. Those are uh, my three big ones that I talk about, and I definitely want to make sure that people understand that we're always there. We're always ready to help you guys out. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, and just just a couple of things we I, I did forget. Uh, quick Nick out here, he is in Lincoln, so I'm gonna give a shout out for him. Hopefully, I get him over to my house, or I get to his house, and we can get him on the show. Um, another one that I kind of and I forgot, and I and that and that is somebody that we've uh, that we've supported and it's in the in the in the past, and that's Dwight Joseph. Dwight is actually fighting in Omaha on uh, this Friday, the 20th, at Legacy Fighting Alliance in the Ralston Arena. Um, so go check him out. He is the main, he is the headliner. So I'm excited for that. So good luck to you, Dwight. Um, the things that, that, that the, the groups, like you said, the groups that we, uh, we support is I Got Your Six, Mission 22, uh, Hopes, for, uh, Hopes for Warriors. I, I'm a big uh, donor to uh, the USO, the Wounded Warrior Project, Puppies Behind Bars, Soldiers, Angels. Um, my phone is always open, just like Chris. If you ever need to talk, if you ever need uh need somebody to, to lean on don't hesitate to get a hold of us via facebook via snapchat twitter um or call call my cell phone text myself if i don't answer immediately i will I, I promise you i'll get back to you um but you can definitely catch me on instagram with my first and last name that's anthony lujan and the year that i was born 1985 so anthony lujan 1985 my snapchat and my twitter are both the same at a lujan 1985 you follow me, I'll follow you. All right, guys. With that being said, man, that is the end of our podcast for tonight. We definitely are going to wrap this up. Uh, Anthony, why don't you take us out, man? Peace. Later.